0: Welcome to Education Beat. Aman Vasquez, Executive Director at EdSource. College has become out of reach for some Americans. That's because the rising cost of a college education has made it tough for many to afford. Many will turn to loans to help pay for college, but that comes at a cost for the student and the economy. The amount of student debt in the U.S. more than doubled over the past decade. College savings plans, like California's Cal Kids program, Aim to provide a foundation for future college savings. Experts say the very act of opening a college account for a young child can motivate that student to excel at school and seek a college education. Long before California's college savings account program, an Oakland woman adopted her own class of first graders. She promised to pay for their college educations if they graduated from high school. What did she learn? And more importantly, what can California learn from her? Here is this week's Education Beat with host, Zadie Stabley. For Oral Lee Brown, it all started
1: 34 years ago. She was at her corner store in Oakland buying peanuts. A little girl asked her for a quarter, and Ms. Brown assumed it was for candy. I just said i her, get whatever you want. And
2: then the first thing she picked up was a
1: loaf of Wonder Bread.
2: And when I looked at her, she just stopped. Like she, I said, no, baby, get whatever you want. And she got Wonder Bread, bologna, and cheese. I gave her the little bag, and we walked out. And I said, where is your mother? She said, home. No. I said, do you go to school? She said, sometime. And she almost like froze, so I didn't say another word to
1: her. This is Education Beat, Getting to the heart of California schools. I'm Zadie Stavely. This week, Mama Brown. How one woman changed the lives of dozens of kids in her neighborhood. Ms. Brown couldn't get that little girl who needed bread, bologna, and cheese out of her mind. She just couldn't stop thinking about her.
2: Then my nights became her vision. When I would
1: close my eyes, she was what I saw. I couldn't go to sleep. Ms. Brown wanted to do something to help that little girl. So she decided to visit her neighborhood elementary school to see if she could find her. The principal took her to see both first grade classes. She didn't find the girl, but she did find a whole lot of other kids that moved her. And when I
2: went into Ms. Waters' class, it was just something
1: about them. It was just like the gleam in their eye she decided that she'd adopt a class of first graders to help save money for them to go to college. And I go into the class and I make the announcement that I would
2: like to adopt this class to try to work with them. And once a year, I would get them $10,000. They were so happy. And when I left school and got in my car, it was like a reality check. I got ready to drive in my hand. I couldn't even drive. It was like, what have you done? You gonna give away $10,000, you are making $45,000. And the only thing I think that helped me to get through this was knowing that, okay, you lived off of two dollars a day. I still, I just sat there. And I guess it was maybe two months or so before I even told my husband.
1: I'm here with my colleague, Carolyn Jones, who wrote the story about Oral Lee Brown for EdSource. Carolyn, so Ms. Brown adopted this class of first graders, and what did that mean? She put money into a savings account for them. What else did she do?
3: Well, she realized that the undertaking, it's not just money. Money alone does not send a kid to college. It's got to be tutoring and support and love and care and food and a safe place to sleep every night and clothes and school supplies. And that's what she committed to she devoted countless hours 24 hours a day seven days a week for years helping these children she hired tutors she took them on field trips to san francisco she took them to nice restaurants so they would know you know what it's like to go to a nice restaurant she took them to the oakland zoo which even though it was just a mile or so away most of the kids had never been to she took them on college tours to the east coast she took them on tours to historically black colleges and universities she hired tutors she just devoted, you know, countless hours and resources to help these children succeed. Well, Carolyn, you spoke to Mama
1: Brown, and she talked about giving the kids food and clothes. The school would call me, A kid
2: would call me, Corey's not in school. Mama Brown, I don't have no shoes. Uh, Trey said, Mom, I don't have nothing to wear. My clothes not washing. You know, it's so Even friends would say to me, well, you agreed to pay for the education, but not their clothes. Well, you know what? In order for them to get an education, they got to go to school. In order to go to school, they got to have clothes.
1: So you could not do one without the other. Carolyn, what happened to that first class of of first graders that she adopted?
3: Well, there are 23 children in that class. And of those 23, um, one of them went directly to work. Uh, One of them went to culinary school. Two of them died of gunshot wounds and 19 graduated from college, which is an extraordinarily high figure that is better than even some of the highest performing districts in California. And at the time, it was extraordinary for Oakland, which at the time had some of the lowest college-going rates in California.
1: Wow. Carolyn, you interviewed several of Mama Brown's students. Let's hear from Nikita Noel Ikulala, Deshar Young, and Jeffrey Tony. It's a lot more than the money. It's It's her love that she that she gives you her aura her energy that she shares with, with all her students. Um, and then the connection, but each and every student has a connection with her. You know, I, as you get older, you tend to have more uh, serious conversations as, for, as I did as a student. Um, and she, you know, she lays it out all on the table. Um, and then she, you know, help, helps you navigate. She never really tells you that you need to do this, but she shares stories with you Um, And she, you know, give you a
4: chance to come up with solutions on your own. Ms. Brown was very hands-on with us. Like, she was not, she was like a mother or a mentor or a grandma, whatever you want to say. She was like that kind of lady to us. It wasn't just some random lady that's just here for the spotlight. She was literally there for us, even like through personal problems. Like, if my mama called her and said Nikita's acting out, it was like, okay, let me put her in line. Let me get her straight. Let me get her together, you know? It was that kind of relationship.
5: The role that Ms. Brown played was um, a mom figure. She was like a mother because it wasn't just about, oh, I'm giving you this opportunity to go to school. It was life lessons. She showed us love, she showed, what it meant to care about somebody. So it was more than just a school opportunity. It was a family structure. We would take trips. She would invite us over for dinner, do car washes together. It was all a family structure. So all the students would come together and participate in whatever functions that they had. And it was just like one big family.
1: We just heard from Nikita Noel Ikulala, Deshar Young, and Jeffrey Tony. Carolyn, how did those relationships matter for them? How did it make a difference?
3: Well, I think all of them, you know, they're still in touch with her. They still consider her family, basically, a role model. Um, you know, I think they all refer to her as a real life angel. Um, Jeffrey Tony, his story was a little bit different than a lot of the other students. I think a lot of the students were very motivated to go to college. Um, Jeffrey had decent grades in high school, but he was homeless. Um, he had a lot of family problems. He was involved with crime and drugs. College was not really something he was thinking about. But, you know, Miss Brown just pushed him and pushed him and pushed him and took him on college tours and did not give up on him. And, you know, she paid entirely for him to go to a private school in Chicago and, you know, get him out of Oakland, get him in a new environment, get him studying something he was interested in, which was music and art. I asked Jeffrey, you know, what what kind of impact she had on him and what would have happened to him if, if it wasn't for her?
5: Honestly, Dead or in jail. If if I didn't reunite with the Orly Brown Foundation my freshman year, uh, I probably would have ended
3: up dead or in jail.
5: Miss Orly Brown.
3: And now he's back in Oakland, and he's a successful artist and musician, and raising a daughter, and helping other people in the community. He actually wrote a song in her honor. It's called "Real Life Angel."
5: My real life angel. It's how I take oh I love, Did no words to explain what this lady has done I was placed under her wing and she made me a son I mean what more could somebody ask for you search for the window of opportunity She bring a door and you can't ignore the fact that
1: she What about Nikita I remember reading in your article about what happened when she went off to Chico State Can you tell me a little bit about that?
3: Yeah, she had good grades in high school and she was very motivated to go to college and her family was very excited for her and she chose to go to Chico State. But then when she got there and thought, oh my gosh, there's hardly any other black students here. I think she was a lot of cultural differences. I think she felt very overwhelmed, very homesick, not unusual for a lot of college freshmen. And she wanted to come home. I think within a week, she said, I've made a huge mistake. I want out.
4: Uh, When my mom first took me to Chico State, I called her, I said, come back. I'm, I'm not staying here. Come back and pick me up. And she's like, I I I don't know what to do. I was like, come get me now. And so she called Ms. Brown and Ms. Brown told her, she said, um, Diana, if you if you go get her, she's not gonna ever finish school. And I remember Miss Brown calling and she said, I know it's hard, but baby, this is your chance. You need to finish, do not go back. And she was like, It's more to life and getting this education would definitely help you become
3: more Wow. And she stayed, right? Yeah, she stayed there for two years and then transferred to Sacramento State, which is a little closer to home and she felt a little more comfortable at it. Now she's gone on to receive multiple master's degrees. She's a social worker in Sacramento. She's married. She has a child. Carolyn, what made Ms.
1: Brown or Mama Brown, as her students call her, decide to keep doing this? I mean, it wasn't just that first first grade class. Now she's helped
3: lots of students. How many students has she helped? well over 120 students that she's paid for entirely to go to college and her the graduation rates are 80 to 90 percent college graduation rates are 80 to 90 percent, which again is you know almost almost unheard of so i think what motivates her what she told me is that you know these children they come to her and they say we want to go to college we can't go unless we have help And she has been there herself. She knows what it's like. And also she's seen the difference that a little, just a little nudge, a little push can make. And so that's why she keeps doing it. You know, we heard earlier from
1: her talking about how she pledged the $10,000 a year. And then she went back to her car and she was shaking because she she thought, oh no, how am I going to do this? How am I going to get by? Um, It was a big chunk of her income. But she also said, that she remembered living on $2 a day. And that that was kind of a reality check
3: for her. She grew up in poverty in Mississippi, living in rural Mississippi, and um, it segregated Jim Crow South and was miserable and hated it and desperately wanted to get out. And she told me that she made a deal with God, get me out of Mississippi and I'll do anything you want. And I think that when she met that class of first graders and met that little girl in the street corner, I think she somehow felt that, OK, this is this is my end of the bargain here. This is what I'm going to do. Carolyn, if a lot of these students were really poor and they probably qualified
1: for financial aid anyway, and a lot of people would say that um, college savings accounts, you know, this isn't really for poor kids. It's for maybe more middle class kids who who can't afford college, but also are not going to get that much financial aid. How is it helpful to have something like this, have a college savings account, even if you probably would qualify for financial aid?
3: Well, that's a good question, Zadie. There's been a lot of research into that. There are some researchers at Washington University in St. Louis who looked really closely at that issue. Kids who have college savings accounts are three to four times more likely to graduate from college, and among very poor children it's it's more of a symbolic thing. Um, you're right, and that most of them are gonna qualify for financial aid anyway. But just this notion that, hey, the state believes in me, somebody believes in me, somebody thinks I can go to college and have a future. Um, and it, And it's helpful for parents too. There was a study in Oklahoma that said that low-income mothers who had these accounts for their children were less likely to be depressed, they were more likely to be engaged in their kids' schools, more likely to have higher expectations for their children. So they were what was interesting about that study is that they were seeing the positive impact of these accounts before the kid even got to college. So right from the beginning, they were seeing positive impact, even though it might have just been, you know, a couple hundred dollars.
1: And what kind of positive impact like kids, kids coming to school more often? And
3: yeah, yeah. And just basically higher expectations, you know, pushed a little bit harder by their parents, you know, parents more engaged in school. Um, the kids have more, a little bit more self-confidence. Um maybe higher goals for themselves.
1: So California is starting a big college savings plan this year, and I know some other states and cities have done it in the
3: past. How much of a big deal is California's plan? California's will be the biggest one in the country when it starts. A lot of other states have started this already. Um, These kind of government-sponsored college savings accounts. A lot of individual cities, you know, Oakland and San Francisco both have them. other cities and states around the country have them, but California's when it starts next year will be the biggest one in the country. With I think they're expecting five hundred thousand students to enroll in it right away. Um, and the hope, you know, the gov the state will start with giving each kid I think twenty five dollars in is a seed money. And then the expectation is, is that private foundations will donate over time, and parents will donate, and even if it's you know just on birthdays or Christmas or whatever or as a reward for getting good grades. Um, What it's shown to, you know, the results in other areas that have done this is that it does increase the number of children who go to college and who have less debt or no debt when they go and they graduate quicker because of that too. Are there other benefits to the savings account? Yes, there are tax benefits. Um, The money that you put into these tax accounts is tax free And when you withdraw the money and you spend it on college expenses, it's also tax free. Um, There's the issue of children decide not to go to college, then the money is taxed. But there's so in other words, there's a big incentive to use it to go to college.
1: So, Carolyn, I know you asked some of Mama Brown's students about what they think California could learn from their experience and what they think of California doing the same kind of thing
3: for other kids. What did they say? Well, they said it's a great idea because, you know, for all of these people, it just made an incredible difference in their lives. But they also emphasized that it really isn't just the money. Um, A lot of it was academic support, tutoring. I think all these kids had to go to Saturday school with Mama Brown, (laughs) uh, doing homework, getting academic support. She brought in students from UC Berkeley to help them. I mean, it was was really this multi-pronged effort. And then just plus having someone to talk to, someone to, you know... It's hard being a teenager, (laughs) just having someone you can call up. And if you have just broke up with a boyfriend or girlfriend, just like support at every level in every way is what really made the difference. Feeling that somebody believed in them. Someone was there on their side rooting for them and helping their family. It wasn't like their family wasn't there. I mean, just supplementing what their family was able to do for them. What is Mama Brown doing now? She's still at it. She's in her 70s and she is, you know, in goes to graduations, goes to birthday parties, talks to her current students and former students every day on the phone. When I was interviewing her, her phone just rings nonstop. (laughs) She is 100% still involved in this. Carolyn, what's the big lesson that Mama Brown can teach us? Well, what really struck me is that the money was huge. I mean, the money allowed these students to go to college debt-free, they didn't have to work, they graduated on time. The money made a huge difference in their academic careers and in and, and their life beyond that. But leading up to that, it wasn't just the money, it was also the academic support. It was having someone to talk to was just feeling like there was somebody out there helping their family helping them rooting for them pushing for them there for them 24 hours a day that really made the big difference so it wasn't just the money it was also the love thank you so much carolyn sure thank you Zadie.
1: thank you for listening to this week's episode of education beat getting to the heart of california schools a production of edsource our producer is kobe mcdonald Special thanks this week to Carolyn Jones, Andrew Reed, Oral Lee Brown, Nikita Noel Ikulala, Jeffrey Tony, Deshar Young, and our director, Anne Vasquez. Our theme music is from Blue Dot Sessions. This episode was brought to you by the Kresge Foundation and the Silver Giving Foundation. I'm Zadie Stavely. Join me next week, and don't forget to subscribe.